Hey, it's Remy and welcome to the Penta Page podcast. Today I'm joined with my friend Marcus to discuss your responses to my most recent discussion post on the podcast Instagram, all about variations of coursework, particularly um, in using research projects, um, as well as education surrounding climate change. Um, I want to give a big thank you to anyone who commented on that post and to get involved with future episodes and to keep up to date with the podcast, follow at Pentapage Podcast on Instagram. Um, I appreciate any feedback, so feel free to DM me with your thoughts. Um, before we get into it, um, I will introduce you to Marcus and he'll be giving us the productivity tip and book recommendation for today. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. So let's get into it. Um, hey, Marcus, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I have just finished mocks, which is really relieving. Yeah. So now we can relax for half term. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so to anyone who doesn't know us personally, um, our, our sixth form did mocks earlier than, than other ones around us. So we're already done with our mock exams, which is really nice, meaning that we get May half term to relax. Um, yeah. So well done both of us for finishing. And would you like to briefly in introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so I do three subjects for A-levels. I do biology, geography, and maths, um, which ties in really well because I'm really passionate about climate change and the environment and what we need to do to um, fix it, fix the problems. I think, yeah, they're, both sub they're all subjects that are, you know, really tie in well. Yeah, definitely. Um... And Marcus also has a um, an Instagram account about climate change where he posts um, informational posts um, and all that kind of stuff. So make sure to show him some love and support on there. Um, I will leave the link in the episode description so you can check it out. That's kind of what we're talking about today. Climate change stuff um, related to education. There's a huge negative impact that the UK education system has on it. So yeah, um, it's very important to talk about. So would you like to get into the book recommendation and productivity tip? Yeah, so my book recommendation is George Orwell's 1984, which I'm sure most people have heard of. But for those that haven't, it's a dystopian science fiction novel written with a very anti-authoritarian uh, message and theme. It's really well written. It simultaneously serves as like, both, a, both a reminder of the past and a warning for the future. So I think it's really important. It's a really important book to read. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I read it a couple of years ago um, and I really, really enjoyed it. So for anyone who hasn't read it, um, I would highly recommend that as well. Um, yeah, so would you like to say your productivity tip? Yeah, my productivity tip is to remove distractions when you're trying to revise or learn new material or anything like that. So you might want to turn off notifications on your phone um, or and then put your phone out of the room or just do anything that means that you won't be tempted to stop working or not tempted to stop working when you should be working so of course you can take breaks but you shouldn't be taking breaks you know every two minutes yes um, definitely it, it def it's definitely helped me so just just to get into a quiet room with no uh, distractions it was really important yeah yeah, definitely. Um, so, so I think the importance is is um, identifying um, which things are distractions to you and finding ways to tackle them. And once again, if you aren't concentrating and you actually need a break, then like definitely go and do that. Do do the things that actually distract you. You know, go on your phone, do whatever you like. But I think um, when you're actually set to working and you're in that mindset, to ensure that you maintain that that kind of level of focus and motivation, definitely get rid of distractions. 
so I'm going to get right into it now. Um, so there were three questions on the discussion post um, and I'm going to read out people's responses with their names um, and then we'll kind of discuss it, discuss our own thoughts after that. So the first question was, would you like to see optional research projects on chosen topics in conventional subjects in school? Ava said, yes, definitely. Um, Elliot said, yes, it could potentially even be done in place of a traditional exam to give students a choice between that and then essentially coursework. Cyrus said they could be a good way to engage students in their subjects and would encourage wider research and understanding of a subject. And then Mayer said, um, schools never have and will never have the appropriate resources to teach us about everything. So obviously based on that, it's very positive. Um, people think that these would be a good idea. So what are your thoughts on that, Marcus? I, I definitely would like to see that because going off my experience, let's say with biology, it's a lot more microbiology and stuff to do with cells, which doesn't really interest me. For example, there could be an optional part of the course that's something with, I don't know, zoology. Like Cyrus said, it widens how much you learn. And I think that's really important because then it would also help, you know, students um, figure out what they want to do. Um, for a job or whatever, or for further education. All too often there are people who don't know what they want to do because they haven't come across it at school. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I think um, I think a lot of subjects content is very limited. Um, for things like I take, like um, like history and um, and English literature, you can't cover everything. Like that's mm, like that mm -hmm. isn't something you can do. But I think kind of getting that choice to study something you're interested in um, is is a really important. Definitely in STEM subjects, so like sciences. You need to find the interest in um in like a certain topic because otherwise you're not going to get very far i think yeah um, mm -hmm. um i guess in your undergraduate degree um which is stem related you will you will learn about um other like types of things but i think starting that interest from a level would put people in a very good um position like a good foundation for moving yeah. forward um yeah definitely. and um, and for anyone listening who who doesn't know, um, in the UK, um, when you're in sixth form, you can do a qualification called the um, the extended project qualification, which which is worth half an A level. And basically, you can um, choose anything you want. So it can be like an artifact, um, or or um, lots of people do a dissertation, and you choose something that you're really interested in and which you can do um, proper research in, um, and then and then over the course of a year or or sometimes shorter, sometimes longer than that, um, um, it just depends. Then you present this project and you get a grade for it. And even though I found mine quite exhausting, quite tiring, um, it is cool to be able to do something that you're actually interested in. Um, and I think like applying that to your subjects can be really interesting. Like, I'm not sure how well it'd work for GCSEs, but I definitely think for A-levels um, where you have chosen the subjects that, um, that you want to do and, and that you want to continue on with, I think finding specific areas of it that you find interesting is good mm -hmm. yeah well that's from a yeah the theoretical perspective i think practically i'm not sure how feasible it is for schools to allow this yeah i think they definitely need to get more funding definitely. and a much higher budget i think if it was more of a research thing like ep but yeah. was um less time consuming and um then actually contribute much to the grade i think that would work a lot better i know for my ep yeah it's really interesting getting to learn about stuff i haven't really gone much into depth before it isn't too daunting so that people don't take it it needs to be yeah. interesting and feasible for people to do along with other subjects yeah um and 
And I think, you know, subjects like STEM, so, so sciences and maths, you will still need exams because of the way it works, you know, like you need to be doing the memorization. But I think doing, um, you know, kind of group work activities and, um, and like optional research projects, it means that people are able to, to focus on something that they're interested in. And wow, this is a very general point, but um, that is what education should be about. It should be about learning and being interested in what you're learning and, um, and asking questions. Um, and I think by doing um, research projects in in A level subjects, I think you're really giving people that um, giving people that opportunity. And for example, um, in English and history, we do have coursework, which is 20%. However, we are limited in what we can study. So um, so we've only recently found out about our English coursework and we're given one book so far that we have to read before we go back um, after half term. But it's under this, this quite broad theme, but it still isn't a huge amount of breadth. Um, considering the kind of theme it is. Um, and then for history, we are given um, a choice of some um, topics which we can study. So while they are interesting topics, um, you know, it isn't giving people a huge amount of breadth to kind of choose what they want. But yeah, so I think you are right. Um, it is such a funding issue, but I think um, if it acts in a way like EP where students are independently doing their own thing, then I think then that works best. Schools would want to be able to find some resources that they can provide students. So yeah, funding is such a huge issue in this, but I think um, I think if education does get more funding, then I think um, this could fundamentally really work out. Yeah, I think it all comes down to how the government um, decides to fund schools. So I think, you know, in this instance, if it was implemented right away, um, you wouldn't have enough teachers who know the material, you wouldn't have um, a specification, you know, you wouldn't have the facilities even to do it. So it really needs to be aided by the government. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So I think we should get on to the next question, which was, um, what do you think is the best way to teach students about climate change? Ava says um, that when schools teach it, it seems really overwhelming um, and like it is out of our control. So maybe they could also teach us ways that we can help to make a small difference, like eating less meat. Cyrus says schools sh should focus more on teaching solutions and what individuals can do rather than purely on problems and presenting this idea that individual choices have an insignificant effect. And then Chloe said um, that it is taught sporadically like the effects might come up in geography or you'll learn the cause in science or they'll mention basic points of um of making sure to recycle and turning lights off but um but there should be proper topics about the biggest causes the effects and what we can do um yeah so what are your thoughts on that i, I would agree with all the answers i think schools need to I, d I think they definitely need to present it as a big threat because that's what it is i yeah. think dumbing it down and um trying to make it all seem manageable well okay maybe not manageable making making it seem like it's all under control it's a very bad way of teaching it because then people get the idea that they don't need to change they don't need to do anything yeah and that it will all be sorted out but along with that they need to teach us ways that individuals can help and also how governments need to tackle this because then that allows students to put pressure you know when they're old, when we're old enough to vote um, yeah and stuff like that and support groups and stuff so yeah i think with individual choices, there needs to be a lot more talking about how, obviously, the basics like recycling, saving water, turning lights off, but also, yeah, cutting down on meat and dairy, yeah, driving less, you know, all, the, all, all these um, basic things. They need to sort of be ingrained and taught why they actually help as well. Because yeah. we're told that we're told, we're definitely told that you, know, you need to save water. We're not told what, like, how it helps. 
Like we're not, yeah. at least I haven't been told in school anyway, like how much water turning the tap off saves or, mm. you know, how much water is saved by not eating a burger. Yeah. Um, so I think that that information is really ignored and that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. I think when people realize, you know, what their choices mean, then they can make the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say about that. Um, I think they need to be more honest um, and, and like really showing um, different aspects of, um, of like climate change stuff. And, and yeah, like being really honest about, um, about like recycling, for example, like, like not everything that we put in the recycling bin gets recycled. So, so I think being honest about that and, um, and yeah, like really, really presenting ways that we can help, which are small and realistic, um, um, and also considering people's financial backgrounds, like, like, for example, not everyone has the option to go vegetarian or vegan simply because of their family's choices or, um, or because of finances. So I think there are ways to do that cheaply, but I think, um, I think it's about presenting things that anyone can do, no matter no matter your background, you know, mm, all, all mm, of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I think really showing the breadth of the issues of, of climate change. It isn't just that the ice caps are melting or that the temperatures yeah. are rising. Yeah. Um, it is to do with everything. So like how many people know that climate change and human activity is what is causing, you know, the sixth mass extinction that we're in now, you know, yeah. I really don't think many people know about that. Mm. And there are statistics that are like, um, only 4% of school children, this was a, like a 2019 study, um, found that only 4% of school children felt they knew a lot about climate change, yeah. which is insanely low. That really needs to be much higher. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's shocking because it's an issue that affects everyone. Like mm-hmm. like, like yeah. all of us, you know, like particularly young people, we're going to have to live in this world which is being um, impacted by climate change. So I think everyone needs to at least gain some more knowledge and some more understanding of what we can do. Um, yeah as individuals but i think once again yes it is it is pressuring companies to like to be more um considerate of the planet when when i'm say like mass producing products or um mm-hmm. or even you know issues like um like animal testing for, for for cosmetics even though that doesn't directly link into it it's still you know impacting animals and stuff so um yeah. this is also something that um that i really want to learn more about i think climate change um it would really, really benefit schools to teach us because then we aren't looking online at possibly um, unreliable resources um, and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It does come back down to the government again because, just again, for the UK, well, 70% of teachers say they did not have enough training to teach people about climate change. And that's an issue. Um, yeah. 90% of them, however, said that it should be compulsory. Mm-hmm. That has worked in other countries, like Italy, um, starting a year ago has made compulsory climate change lessons yeah. um, about 33 hours a year, which is a really good way of going about it, I think, because then you don't have to teach about it in biology or geography or whatever. You can focus those subjects on their topics, uh, on their proper topics, and then have a dedicated lesson to exploring climate change. Yeah, I, I think the overall thing is that it's so important for schools to do this. And I think yeah. um, and I think for there to be the funding for it um, and... And to be realistic about it as well, um, and to give all schools equal opportunity to teach it, because it is an issue that impacts all of us. And actually something that um, that I've always hated at schools, um, I don't know how many of you listening are kind of aware of this, but um, but I found so many teachers leave lights on even when windows are open or when it's oh, sunny yeah. outside. Mm-hmm. 
And that bothers me so much. It it has bothered me for years. Like I always just wonder, can you not see that it's sunny outside and we can use that light yeah. as opposed to um as opposed to light from the light bulb, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and that would reduce schools like costs for um for, for electricity. But lots of teachers don't seem to don't seem to consider that. Um and then there's also just the huge, huge issue of paper, which um, which we'll get into later, but um, but the fact that there isn't more stuff um, online is shocking. Um, obviously, yeah. because of COVID, that um, that that has improved in the past year pretty much because um, more people have gone online and and have to um, turn in homework and um, and like assessments online. But there's still just a huge, huge, huge issue of the amount of paper that every single school uses, and then the amount of schools in the UK. And that's just the UK, you know? So it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it does also... There's another point with the government is that climate change education needs to be tied in with critiques of capitalism, I think, definitely. Yes. Because there is no way that we can properly tackle it without, at the very minimum, significantly altering our economic systems mm. and how companies work and what motivates them yeah um but the problem is that the government has pretty much banned that or banned teaching you know of any anti-capitalist yeah um views so and then also you have the problem of if the government is going to provide you know the curriculum or at least help you know provide the materials and stuff you run into the problem of whether they will provide provide false information you've had the government claim that they're you know world leaders in tackling climate change which is just wrong and if they do spread that information then you've just got the problem all over again people think it's all under control Mm, definitely it's it's just a huge issue like like overall and i think it has to be acknowledged that it really has to link um and with the ideologies of of like capitalism and and that companies would um would rather produce goods more cheaply um um, as opposed to in a um, in a way that is kind to the environment. So, yeah. Um, so I think even if nothing can actually change in that sense, because it's such a huge you know system which is not easy to take down. Um, I think I think at least um, at least acknowledging that um, that in capitalism companies should be doing their best um, to to be considerate to the planet because once again it is so important. Um, once we run out of certain things, there is nothing we can do about that, and there's no way of us coming out of it. So. Yeah, that is really, really important. So now the third final question was, um, what are the environmental drawbacks of school and exams? And both Ava and Harry said that um, that there is too much paper used. And um, and Elliot replied to Ava's comment saying, um, definitely, um, at the very least, most homework should be digital by now, as long as the appropriate tech is is provided for those who need financial support. Um, and then and then Asenia said schools should provide actual options to be more sustainable instead of just telling people what to do, such as such as providing more plant based food options um, in in cafeterias and promoting um, biodegradable products in in the cafeteria as well, um, um, as well as biodegradable textbook covers, etc. So obviously we have just spoken about paper, but um, but yeah, like what are your overall thoughts? So like Elliot said, I think. Yeah, it needs to move to majority digital, if not completely dig- digital. Um, financial support and you know support by just giving um, devices to students needs to happen as well. Yeah. Um, to ensure that everyone gets a fair opportunity to do work and to learn and um, yeah progress. 
Yes, it is worth that that investment into the technology because because you're saving money on paper and you're giving students, you know, access to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But there are quite a few problems with there are a lot of problems with paper, but also with you know digital um, stuff. So yeah, you know, for and these are some U.S. statistics, but for paper, you know, a typical U.S. school uses about two thousand sheets of paper a day which is 320,000 a year. And since there's about 100,000 schools in the US, that's 32 billion sheets of paper a year. That's insane. A lot of, you know, going off experience, you know, UK schools, a lot of which is thrown away or never used again. Yes. It's something like $1.6 billion is spent on that 32 billion sheets. Um, So not only is it, you know, a waste of money, a waste of, you know, trees and paper, yeah. Um, because it's something like um I've got eight thousand seven hundred trees cut down a day um just for school's paper, which is thirty two three point two million a year yeah. of like average tree size, which is way too many. And definitely you can easily like see all the downsides to paper, but you know, with digital, um there's you've got the problem with rising e waste, especially in um the global south countries where it's all shipped to for landfill yeah. and stuff um so something like 53 to 54 million tons of e-waste a year i think and then you've got advantages of paper as well because it's a lot of it is, is recycled if it's thrown away properly of course yeah um so in the uk 80 percent of paper is recycled which is pretty good yeah um see so yeah, but i do think that uh, paper should be phased out and or at least it should be produced sustainably at the very yeah. least, if you're going, if you if you need to keep paper, it needs to be sustainably sustainably produced from tree plantations that are aren't just you know monocultures, aren't just trees you know lined up um, with nothing else. They need to be planted, up, you know, with other plants to increase biodiversity. Yeah, which is falling in the UK. Um, I think as well as technology becomes more efficient and sustainable, that's a good way to go. And as electricity mm. is produced more sustainably without using fossil fuels, you know, yeah, then it's clear to see that digital is the way to go. But I think there are a lot of problems to overcome. Yeah, um, I I think one of the biggest issues that we have um, um, in the UK is um, is that exams um, are now marked online as opposed to um, on paper. However, we still write our exams on paper um, and then they're scanned in. So it's such an insane waste of paper when mm-hmm. um, when you even consider like how much paper um, um, individual students have to use for their um, for their exams, and then what an insane amount of students ac- across the country are using paper just for it to be scanned and then thrown away. So so even though um, it is most likely recycled, um, it's still such such a huge waste. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, and I wish even though there are issues um, with. With I'm doing um with doing exams digitally um um that can also link in with um uh, with how lots of unis right now are doing um 24 hour exams um uh, where they span over 24 hours and then you submit them online and stuff um so obviously that's good for paper um but I think I think once again it does kind of link to how maybe the way that exams are done themselves could change but I think fundamentally if they're being marked online why should they um why should paper be used for them it seems mm-hmm. it yeah. seems like such such a massive waste. Um, mm-hmm. So I think um, they do need to rethink that and find a way to do it which is realistic um, for people. 
yeah, I I think that's the biggest environmental drawback um, of the UK education system in, in terms of that. Obviously, these schools use lots and lots of paper um, um, in just everyday lessons and, um, and, and in secondary schools, you are often given um, exercise books to work from. Um, so, so students don't even have the option to do their work online, which once again is very, very silly, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Particularly the exam stuff though is a bigger problem because um, that because that only lasts such a small amount of time, yet every single student will use probably hundreds of pieces of paper during a single exam season, which is insane. Mm. And it is just upsetting to see how much is wasted. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you want to do you know, exams online, it, it is possible because there are ways to make, you know, I mean, exams, some exams are done online. Like computer science, I know, is done on computers. So it really isn't that difficult to allow other students to do that. As long as you know schools have the necessary amounts of computers. resources, yeah, yeah, uh, and funding as well. And so yeah, I think exams definitely need to be more digital, um, and then that might also you know allow people to um, have longer exams. I think there are also problems with some subjects that just cannot go digital, like maths. For instance, yeah, yeah, like that would be that's a, a massive hard. pain to go digital. Yeah, I think yeah, digital is the way that it needs to go. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think it's worth the government considering um, ways that they can change this nationwide. Um, and obviously, mm -hmm. it should change around the world as well. But I think, um, I think particularly because what we know is, is the UK. So, um, so I think if, if the government could do more to change the format of exams so that they work better for digital, um, for, for most subjects, I think that's really important. And, um, and, and imagine the amount of paper we could save simply by just changing that for like exam season not um even just throughout the academic year like that'd be a huge saving which would be like like a really big achievement mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think it's it's absurd the amount of paper that's used yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's way too much and senior's point which is to provide options to you know change i think that is also a really big thing that needs to happen so yeah, like, you know, in cafeterias with more plant-based food, I know for, you know, my secondary school had a lot of meat options. And I yeah. think like any proper, you know, plant-based options. So which means that, you know, a lot of students are forced to then have that. And then they don't either think about switching or they think, oh, I can't switch because there's no options. Yeah. And if people are then forced to, you know, if people are already, you know, vegan or vegetarian or whatever, then they're forced to bring in their own food that might be more inconvenient for them. Yeah. Um, I, yeah think it's so about, it's just... I think it's about accessibility more than anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone needs to have that option. Yeah. Um, to make, and to make with... choices which are good for, for the environment without, without, you know, without them having to make huge sacrifices, whatever that might be, depending on your circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And then stuff like, you know, biodegradable textbook covers, I think that would be, you know, a really good idea. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah they definitely exist and um if schools can start providing them and um also using them in lessons as well not just like you know having them in like a school shop to buy um but having teachers use them so that students see they're using them yeah and realize that you know they're actually important or they could you know if schools give out planners or books to work in or whatever then those need to be environmentally friendly as well yeah and in and in the uk there is a website called um called um caboodle which lots of um textbooks are linked to um and 
Um, and in fact, lots of textbooks are online, so we don't need them um, physically. Um, when there isn't much option other than using paper, I think um, there needs to be more like consideration about what that is particularly useful, why it's needed, yeah. and then what um, what can they do to make that more sustainable? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so I think that's um, I think that's all the questions um, that we're going to go through. Um, so I think our overall thoughts are pretty clear that um, that the UK education system and that education systems um, around the world also need to be doing more um, to to teach climate change to students in a way that is um, that isn't scary, um, that teaches um, accessible options for everyone. So so no matter your circumstances, you can make a difference. Um, and then also changing the certain environmental drawbacks um, in in the UK education system, like using an insane amount of paper um, and considering different options for that. Yeah, so it needs yeah it needs to be a conversation about accessibility and um, allowing students to make decisions that are better for them and the environment. Yes, um, and and once again, our students gaining the confidence to be able to call out. Um, certain companies um, and um, and even the government to really put an effort to make these differences because they really could have a huge impact um, on um, on the sustainability of our education system. Okay, so I think that's it. So um, thank you so much for listening. Um, me and Marcus have had a good time um, chatting about this. Um, so once again, um, I would love any feedback. So feel free to DM me on the podcast Instagram. Um, I would love to do more um, more discussion posts in the future. So also let me know um, if you have any suggestions um, about what um, about what kind of posts I should do, what kind of questions we should talk about, which topics. And yeah, um, thank you so much. This has been fun. Um, I hope yeah, you have a absolutely have a good day, night, afternoon, wherever you are. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Bye.